You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast, where we finally have a win to talk about for Sunderland. It seems like it's finally. Been, it seems like it's been that long. Yeah, but we haven't had one in a while. Really, what was it? Black Reaction Bill pod to the Man City game. We don't really class Man that. City. It's a good intro, this isn't it? Who did we, who, straight into it? Who Bradford. Bradford. No, we've won some. Blackpool. Oh, no, I mean, I Blackpool. Blackpool. Who have we won? Who have we beat since then? Anybody? Who have we won? Remember that when you see that school? I'll win you. <laughs> Someone I was going to say who we won against and then changed uh, mind. Someone at my last job used to do that and I didn't want to point it out. He should have pointed it out. now. I would definitely point it out if somebody was deliberately saying that. That, was, that, that wasn't always, what happened there. always pointed out to Stephen on Twitter. It's like, I think Stephen thinks I stalk him because I keep him picking out his mistakes. Magical ones. That's fine. What's You've your, got to write your, to do what's your key? What's your, what's your key one? What's your main one that you do all the time? It's do, done, isn't it? Isn't it? Did and done. I've got a problem with past and present tense, yeah. 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 I've got a problem with that. No, you know, bear in mind about English. Trust them. No, when, I'm right, when I'm right, when I'm writing, yeah. it's fine. But when I'm when I'm verbalising it, it I've, I've I've always struggled with past and present tense. It's just one of those things, Gareth. You know what I mean? When you don't don't when laugh When you're at writing people. it, you write it as well. No, don't. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. No, don't. Yeah, you do. Do it. Yeah, it's two to one. Yeah. Well, maybe not when I'm doing essays, but when I'm doing Twitter, because oh, it's like right, okay. it's like speaking. Anyway. What's what's this anyway? Character assassination. Right. Yeah. Character assassination. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not. A, I mean, it's, it's not, not against my character because well, uh, we haven't got there yet. <laughs> Give it time. It's a great it's building up. It's building up. It? If anybody's like listening, and have never listened to before. We just think like then the fools. Just, they? They, they, they'll hear Being the intro and then it's just bleh, like just coming out. <laughs> we haven't even said like introduce who's on or anything like that. Introduce who's on then. Well, Nick Barnes from the BBC is with us. Good Hello. evening. Good evening. And um, Richard. Easter, Easter Brook, Stroke Mason. Stroke Easter Egg. <laughs> from, previously from uh, the uh, written press kind of click, but is available no longer. at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Available for uh, bar mitzvahs, weddings, football matches. What are you doing a write up on it? Anything. Yeah. Write up the bar mitzvah. Work in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's definitely a joke in there. But, yeah, there is. Yeah. Didn't want to, I don't want to go down that route because it will be off for about four minutes. Let's talk about something else. Is everybody just avoiding the fact that they don't, they can't remember the last game? It was a rubbish before. game, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Let's just get because we the probably the tran, end of the transfer window and all that stuff's probably a bit more interesting, isn't it? Possibly. <clears> and the implications of the change. I know, but it wasn't that long ago, and we haven't talked about it, and that's the main thing. But anyway, the game was rubbish, wasn't it? I mean, it was a terrible, terrible game of football, and but. A lot of people have been complaining about the fact we haven't 
we're not winning games it doesn't matter how well you play all that kind of stuff um, or we concede too many goals whatever we don't score enough goals it's a criticism people conceding goals at home but you know ultimately you could go back to the point scored in every game this season joint best defence in the league um, lost the least amount of games lost the least the amount league. of games three games in hand on the top and if we won them all we'd be level on points um, so <clears throat> I can understand the frustrations on how poor, poor the game was but you know if, if it was a, you know, a team of your in the Premier League, you know, a Manchester United, you know, who, you know, they'd be seeing all the teams who win the league win games like that, and and that's what we did. So, you know, we're still in good shape. I think it's magnified because Luton, Barnsley, mm. and Charlton are all scoring goals at the minute, and and that's probably heightened the nervousness around people's perception of where. Sunderland are because when you do look at in the cold light of day all the statistics they are and and would be joint top of the table if they were to win those games in hand and to be in the position that they are now and having only lost two games one of them at Burton which was on the day I think Jack Ross admitted it was a tactical misjudgment Mm. by him and the Portsmouth game I think if you look at it you'd think at half time they were in the driving seat probably the better of the two teams if they kept Louvens on the pitch I think there's a strong argument that they could have gone on to win that game so to be in that position now I think is is and, and going back to Saturday's game which was poor but they kept a clean sheet and they won it's the first I think fans are frustrated because they can see this group of players are capable of more and you're right what you're saying when you look at teams like Barnsley and and Luton, and they're getting 4-0 wins, and you're thinking, we're at the stadium, of like, we should be getting those kind of wins, and we're labouring, um, we're labouring to victory, we're getting across the line, and it, it's down to frustration, because you know, this side are capable of more. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because, <clears throat> you know, no, but when, it's a natural, oh, yeah, it's a natural instinct, but, and a natural Barnsley, feeling to have, isn't Barnsley it? Barnsley had a spell, and dropped out of the playoffs. You know, we haven't done that yet. And I think, well, the, know, other, I think parts, the other thing is worth... Only take one from one point from 12. They're, they're having a bad, they're bad patch. We haven't, we haven't had a run like that. We haven't we lost three games in, in four. And, but I think the other, but the other thing to put into context to, is that, and I think it's something that Jack will, would talk about, is that Luton, Portsmouth, Barnsley, not charting to such an extent because Lee Bowyer came in in the season, but those other three have been together for a, a season already. And they, they have built momentum in, in one sense. Luton, because they're on a run from promotion winning uh, or being you know promoted from League Two. Uh, Barnsley, because they've kept together a squad that was arguably slightly unlucky to go down. Um, Charlton, Lee Bowyer came in in March and they, they, they actually got probably, they did have the, probably the two best strikers in the division until Grant went to Huddersfield. So there are factors. And Jack has a way of working, which he worked with at St Mirren, which you know he's trying to adopt the same pattern at Sunderland, and he's having always had to start from scratch with a sort of eclectic body of players. You know, some former Premier League players, some up and coming League Two players, and a, a little clutch of <clears throat> academy players. It's a it's quite a disparate group of players, which he's pulled together to make a team. Let's talk about the game specifically, because there were some people making debuts. Uh, as well, second debuts in some case. Well, in the case of 
of Grant Ledbetter. I'll start with him, I think. Um, divided opinion a little bit more than I thought he would. Thoughts? I was quite surprised with that, personally. I thought he had a steady game. Uh, I don't think he was spectacular, but that's probably coming from the lack of match fitness. He like said, he's he's, he's up, not played that much football this season. He's been on the bench a lot, but not, not been getting on for Borough. Um, but yeah, you could tell straight away the, the quality that he brings to the team in his in his range of passing, and, and also his organisational as well. He was he was directing the, the play quite a lot, and he, he kind of slotted into that quite well. And as somebody who hasn't played loads, so you, you've, if, if you're gonna like, for example, Charlie Wake, when we're hoping he's going to improve, and people are still saying, well, you've got to you've got to consider his injury and uh, put that uh, factor that in. He's still rusty. Well, Grant Ledbert is going to be rusty, isn't he? So mm. you, you've got to yeah. factor that in. And for, for somebody who has hardly played this season, I, I thought he was excellent. Personally. I thought I, I, I thought he had a steady game. There were a couple of times he gave the ball away, but what struck me was he was in the right positions through the game. You watched his movement and reading of the game. When Sunderland were having to defend, he was at the heart of the defence. When they're trying to push out from the penalty area, you'd find you'd find him in that sort of um, that third of the field in front of the penalty area. It just it was just in the right places at the right times. All, all the sort of things you say about a striker who might not be getting goals, but is, is find themselves in the positions to get chances. And Grant, as you say, has got to come up to speed. Yeah, he's mm. got that quality. And I thought he had a yeah, steady, steady game. It'll be interesting to see if he stays that deep when he plays. Yeah. He was a little bit deeper than I thought. Mm. I'm not sure if that was tactical or his game or whether that is just out of the match fitness and you see him actually get round the pitch a little bit more. I, well I thought um I thought in the first half on Saturday Sunderland were nervous actually. I think there was a, a, a nervousness about the way they played and that might be part of it, because as soon as they scored there seemed to be a little bit more bravado about them inevitably because it just gone one up. But they did seem to throw the shackles off a bit once they got the goal and they did seem to be a bit more open, a bit more adventurous when they got forward. And that might be partly because O'Neill came on and he's particularly a player that likes to get forwards. He's you know more aggressively minded in that sense. Lewis Morgan had a steady debut in the same sense. that He's clearly a player who wants to drive on, take players on, get in the penalty area. And that might have been part of it. But I did think they were nervous. Mm. And they betrayed a little bit of that in the first half, which which Wimbledon exploited. Well, did you, I wouldn't say Wimbledon. Exp- I mean, they had a spell. Didn't I thought they? we were pulling there were worse. Yeah, Much I worse. mean, they weren't. They weren't great. They had a spell where they had a few a flurry of chances, or sort of a, sort of ten. Well, a pyre. They were mark. clearly every kick was aimed at a pyre. Every so, goal yeah. kick was aimed at a pyre. And but, yeah, Wagstaff was the other player I thought for them that was you know busy and getting himself into getting himself into positions that were causing a few problems. Max, oh, I was just going to say, I thought with with Ledbetter and, and Max Power there together, I thought I thought they dovetailed quite nicely. I know there's been some comments about, well, you know, Max Power's not really been in great form, and was he, he hasn't. Too, was he too deep? Max um, I actually thought he'd I freed thought him Ledbetter up. pulled him back almost. A little yeah, bit. I, I felt as though that like, he was a bit, had a bit more freedom power, and he, he was getting half, the, definitely. He was he getting forward half, a bit yeah. more. He was getting trying to get trying to do the right things. But I think that's a, the, the one thing across the season that you can say about the Sunderland team. And we, you know, talk about it all the time. It's a it's a Sunderland cliche. Well, it doesn't matter how good you are, as long as you go out there and give everything for the shirt. Nobody, you'll, you won't get barracked and all this kind of thing. There's not one game this season, I believe, that I've seen where this team hasn't given, left it all out there. So, um, you know, you can't criticise them for that. Um, at the moment, they are lacking the the spark and the quality that they were showing at times earlier in the season. But again, people were like complaining at the start of the season about you know conceding first at home, even though we're beating teams three one four one. So 
I think it's because people, funny one, people it? know that there's more. I think that's the only. Oh thing. yeah, there, there will be more. If people know there's more, then people aren't to worry because if this, as I say, if this is our sticky patch where we haven't lost since December twenty second and we're into February. If this is our sticky patch, then I'm happy for it to be our sticky patch because think- we have we haven't we haven't severely dropped out of the of the promotion race where, you know, we we know that if we win those games, we'll be second, joint top. Um, you know, so. so the other teams have got to maintain their good form. Luton are a bit of a freak. I mean, they're on the best run in 50 plus. Well, it was 50 years a few weeks ago. It might be even longer now. It might be 60 years because they've, they've I think they're unbeaten in 17. And the other thing is, everyone said, oh, well, Nathan Jones going, it could derail them. But it's not because no, Mick Harford will sit there and not do anything. They'll just play yeah. the way they've played. I think we're hoping they're going to appoint somebody random now, which won't happen. Which I don't think will happen. Yeah, I think they'll say to Mick, yeah. just look after it to the end of the season. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, and that's all he has to do, look after yeah. it. He doesn't have to make any changes. L- Luton said in a, another podcast, the Luton yeah. uh, chief executive said they were concentrating on the on the ground in the short term because yeah. um, they're in talks to move move out, out of the town centre. Um, I think they've got that approved. I think they've got that approved. He was say, he actually, I think he actually said that that was more valuable to the club than actually going up. I think yeah. he said the priority was getting this moving the ground. I think it was they also bought some commercial, the like right next to the yeah, main the, shopping centre. They bought some commercial tell, yeah. units yeah. as well because they were talking about like the sustainability and obviously they get what ten thousand anyway. So and it's it's you know it's a club that's played in the top flight in the last sort of 25, 30 years, I mean, in the mm. 80s, they were a decent side. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, I mean, they're, they're on a freakish run, really, and you, you can't do anything about that. I mean, on the flip side again there, we, we, we haven't lost them this season. We should have beaten them on both occasions, in my opinion. I didn't think they were that great when we played them and we had the chance where we hit the bar at the end and then they got that dodgy penalty up here. And I think we were probably on top in the game when they got that penalty. So, um, as I say, I, I think really we, we could have taken four points off Luton on, on balance of play but then people say well it doesn't matter you, you didn't get the win but then at the weekend there's complaints about winning the game the way we won it so nobody remember the Wimbledon at the end of the season nobody look back on the Wimbledon game and go think anything about it because it was just three points well, in the grand scheme it, it comes back to even the transfer window Sunderland will be judged at the end of the season and whether they go up or not because it's a, it's a dog-eat-dog league. I mean, look at the game against Blackpool. That was a game that Blackpool could easily have won with the chances they had in the second half when they sort of made an assault to get back in the game. And and they've gone on a run since. And most teams in that division, on their day, can probably beat every other team in that division. But they haven't got any consistency. The one thing that Sunderland have got, in one sense, is a consistency not to lose. And if at the end of the season, I think... Gareth's right. If if they go up automatically in first or second place, nobody will look back at the Wimbledon game and said, "Oh, that was dreadful." Mm-hmm. And nobody will look back at dropping two points at Kenilworth Road or the defeat at Portsmouth. Ultimately, the the ambition this season is to get automatic promotion, and that will be how the team is judged. I mean, you look back over the seasons when we went on that run at the end of the season under Mick McCarthy, where we got promoted, and I think we lost, we won like we we didn't get beaten in nine or something like that. It was. You know, it wasn't like spectacular Most football. Most seasons we do that. 95, 96 under Peter Reid. You know, we had games where we we scraped. We were nowhere through. near the promotion contenders at this stage yeah. of the calendar year under oh. Peter Reid. I mean, under Keane, we didn't drop the point yeah. in the last, what, 
ten games of the season. I mean, it, it took a while. It? it took a while to get going. The key. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and six what, players in the January window. What we would yeah. say. What, what's interesting is that the win on Saturday put Sunderland back on two points per game. I think that that's they played, that's they played twenty eight and now yeah. they're on fifty. That's key because that's Jack Ross's target: two points a game. And on the assumption that that you know they they maintain that they should if you go don't up if you don't go up the ninety two points and you then you're unlucky. You know, I think that's what you say. You go well, but we're unlucky there, and it was an exceptional division. So, and I think, it, it, I think it's exactly two points per game, and it is a competitive top three or four teams as well because they've all got ambitions to be in the championship for one reason or another. Luton, as we've been saying about the new ground and wanting to be back in the upper echelons, Barnsley because they they their uh, their sort of footfall and their fan base is, is good, and they should be a championship team. Um, Sunderland, obviously. Uh, Charlton, look, former Premier League club, look at the Valley. They should be there in the Championship. So there are four teams already there who are at Portsmouth nip and tuck. Well. Portsmouth, who, who are on the way back up, who are all there, you know, and there's, it, it, will be, it will be tight. And they've all got justifiable ambitions to go up. I, mean, I think what, what concerns me is that we haven't won two in a row in a while. Last time we won two in a row was... Um, was when we beat um, Barnsley, then then uh, beat Bristol Rovers, and there were still three games in between that where we played FA Trophy. Well, that highlights for the, highlights Gareth's point that yeah. we've if we've got through that, if that's the storm, yeah, and we've got through mm. it, and we're still on two points per game, then you know with the run we've hopefully got now, then we will start to say that because on paper we we have got a decent run, haven't we, coming up now? Yeah. I'm, yeah, just trying to I'm getting done from mic abuse. Yeah, here. <laughs> I'm trying to work out why Bandy's mic's rattling so much. I wonder if the uh, the microphone heads come a bit loose or something like that. Who knows? I'll sort it out when we have the break bit. So <laughs> sorry if it's been rattling. Have it's you got the figures? It's professional book? paid daily broadcaster Nick Barnes who's causing the problems. <laughs> should have brought his own equipment. Yeah, you should have. I tell you, you could, <laughs> wouldn't it? It's an XLR, isn't it? Your mic. And what's that? He just, just gets given the mics, man. I just get given that. I just get given my lip mic. No, that's it. It's the same well, old equipment yeah, I've been using for years. It's an XLR input, though. Is it? I've no idea mic. what the inputs are. What on earth? How can you not know what the input? Because he just speaks. No, but you should know. I just do the talking. I just plug things in. If it doesn't work, I think right. What's why isn't that working? If you're beyond help, then I don't know. You've got no chance with Benno. Well, that's it in a nutshell, isn't it? Richard, have you got the fixtures up in front of you? I have, yeah. Yes, yeah. go on then. Remind people of Sunderland's next run of games. So there's Oxford away on Saturday. Then there are three games in a space of seven days. Blackpool, Accrington, Gillingham, all at home. Then four days after that is away to Bristol Rovers. And that's in, um, that's still, that's yeah, League One. Then home to Plymouth the week after. And then Bristol Rovers again. Yeah, in the trophy. What I think... We need to win he, all those he, games, he, don't he we? Needs, he, needs, he needs to... Stumble across a settled side because Grant Ledbetter, we, we've discussed there and we've discussed how we think he performed in his debut. There's been a lot said about his side and whether we thought we needed that kind of player. But what we do now have is this collection of central midfielders who everybody has an opinion on individually, and he needs now to start to find a team where he can leave it at that most games so they can start to um, maybe. Show some of that um, promise that we think the capable. Well, by the looks of things, it's going to go down the road of McGeady on the left, isn't it? And Morgan on the right. I think the biggest problem is it's going to be who's he going to bed in up front. And 
would he be would Jack go down the road which is one of the sort of um, the issues he's got does he go down the road of two up front and three at the back or does he stick with one up front I'd be interested to know what people think I can't see him go three at the back because I think he wants to play his two number tens like he said before Um, Morgan McGeady and then Gooch will be the, the third one battling for those two spots so I think that rules out three at the back I am interested to know what people think about playing four four two. Now we've done a full circle here because we spent podcast after podcast after podcast when Sunderland won the Premier League, and Martin O'Neill was playing four four two when we first started saying stop doing that. That doesn't work. We aren't good enough to play four four two. We need an extra midfielder, but we aren't in the Premier League now. Yeah. And I was watching us play Wimbledon, thinking, would we really miss out if we had? One fewer centre midfielders and an extra centre forward. I don't, I don't think, think we would. I don't think we would have done either. When we were playing, when we were playing four three three or four two three one in in the Premier League and having three central midfielders, that was because we were matching up mm. and there was a numerical disadvantage if we were just playing two in the middle. Now most teams are playing four four two in that league. Well, I would most disagree there actually because when I was look, I checked my notes today for the formations of the teams that Sunderland have played this season. Under the illusion that a lot of people said most teams in League One play four four two, in fact most have set up with one up front. Really, mm. I'm not surprised. I, I, I don't. But, I but think you one don't of our main to match I, teams up though. If I, you've got better no, players. But my my point is, I think we, one of the main issues we have is forcing forcing it. We force things. I would be worried that if we played two up front, we would start forcing things. And missing out the midfield, if we don't retain the ball, we give it away and we're losing the ball in, in the middle of the park when we've got two probably up against three. So that would be my concern. I would also point out, and I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, well, because of this, then no, not that. But when we went to Burton, we played two up front. We played Sinclair wide. We played Wyke up alongside Madger, didn't we? And, mm. the, and, we, and Gooch on the other Sinclair's side. Sinclair's not a winger, though. No, but we played, well... We played basically a four-two-four, and we lost the game. Now I'm not saying we didn't play very well that day, but we still played two. We have played two up front at times this season, a kind of two up front, and won the game. But I think you have to hand it to to Nigel Clough that day because he tactically got it absolutely spot on in putting the player in at right back who'd never played there before, knowing that his strength was going to counter whatever Sunderland threw in on that side. I mean, there was little things like that that Nigel Clough did pull off. And did really well and actually caught Jack Ross out, I think, on that day. But I'm, I'm, I just don't think, I just think it's a real simplistic thing to go, well, oh, if we change the formation, it's going to get better. Well, what, what, or, at Christmas? Or are we going to score more think, goals? Well, at Christmas, the best, when... There are lots of things it's, that I think are factored it's on a in game. for people I, I seeing that. It's, I don't think and, it's as simple But there are little things. One of them is the centre-forward position. Well, yeah, that centre-forward position I was going to come on to at Christmas New Year when Madger was here and playing with White, Madger, I think, has looked the best he looked all season because he got him, White allowed him some freedom to play off him mm. around the penalty area. So the, what the issue is, it's not so much playing two up front, it's playing White or who, a, another up front and allowing someone else to be able to run off that and, and use and utilise that hole in behind and make space around the penalty area. Right, I think, you know, going on to White, who obviously got to stick at the weekend because he had a poor game and he's only scored twice for Sunderland um, and 
you know, obviously he's had the injuries and, and it, he does. I do get the feeling off him, though, that, and, and you've seen it with these players who come to Sunderland over the years. There's always that talk, well, if he gets one and he gets on a roll and all this, and then it never happens. Now, I'm not writing them off and saying that that won't happen, but it, it, it you've seen it a lot, many times before over the years with players. You know, everyone will be able to name someone from a team over a period of time who, who's gone through what he has and doesn't really come out the other end successfully. The main frustration for me with Wyke, and I know people will use that, well, you know, he's got no help or the service symptoms poor, his movement is poor. Like, and I don't know if that's some a confidence issue, but he's flat-footed. He doesn't make he doesn't make the centre backs think. Um, you know, his, his movement in the box is unusual. Um, I wouldn't say that he creates space for himself to get opportunities, which concerns me. Um, he doesn't. He all seems to be a, fend, a defender who can get in the way of the ball in the box or whatever. He doesn't. He doesn't make himself available to, to receive a ball in an area to score. Um, now, I don't know. Again, I'm sure in the past he, he has made those runs, but I don't feel as though at the moment he looks as though he knows what he's doing. Sometimes, and it's happened quite frequently, when he gets it on the end of a, a cross to head the ball, he ends up almost putting a defensive header in, heading the ball out yeah. of the player away from goal. Uh, like his like his body shape wrong. I was talking to um Paul Fraser, your your old colleague from the Northern yeah. Echo, Richard. Um and uh, the Borough game the other week and asking him his opinion on, on White and stuff and and he said I don't think he knows what kind of centre forward he is yet. And I'm not well, sure he, 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 he wasn't he? he wasn't sure that Sunderland was the right environment for him to discover that if that makes sense and I can kind of see where he's coming from with that because if you were asked to describe him if somebody said to you well what kind of centre forward is he what would you say what would you do well, would pro- you, well, I initially probably, thought he was a target man but right, yeah but old fashioned target yeah. man my dad says he looks in body shape like Vic Hallam that's why he says he reminds him of Vic Hallam it's like barrel chested sort of like sort of big shoulder big broad shoulders mm. But he doesn't. I mean, he's not really a physical. He doesn't really mix it up, does he? Physically, he gave away so many fouls on Saturday. Yeah. It, was, it was really frustrating. It, but again, that's what I'm talking about, about not making it difficult for defenders. You're giving away fouls because you're not. You you haven't made the movement before the balls come into you, so you you're going through the back of a player, or you've you've he's basically out thought you, and then you're having to wrestle then to get mm. the ball when it goes up to you. But he needs to make the movements to make it difficult for the defenders. He's not dragging people away. The ball's come. He's coming too short for the ball. He's not. He doesn't offer him behind. He wouldn't expect him to offer him behind. But earlier in the season, he was going wider. In the Blackpool game, in particular, he, he was coming into the channels. That's because he had a strike partner. But he like wasn't. He, yeah, that's fine. But he, he wasn't doing that at the weekend. So if you are going to play one up front, and he doesn't offer you that. Then he can't play in that system in a one. Well, the obvious and thing is factor in here. I is... wouldn't see on form that, and, and the amount of centre midfielders we've got. Are you gonna play? Are you gonna play a ten? Are you gonna play White and somebody else when he's in that form? Are you gonna play White and Greg together? Because I wouldn't at the moment. We've got the amount of midfielders well, we've got. Will Greg is the obvious or nine? Maguire couldn't get on the bench at the weekend. He's the obvious thing to factor in here. Will Greg, isn't he? Well, this yeah. th- th- will, will, will Greg. Hmm. Well, we'll ask him on Thursday. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. About, and, about, and someone said he is. Uh, he says himself he's more than capable of playing on his own up front. He's comfortable doing that if that's what he's asked. Yeah. To do, 
It's going to be the first question. Is it, is Pete, Pete, fire it straight at him. I don't, I don't think... This is the thing when I talk about the, the 4-4-2 thing and the clamour. Well, if you put more bodies up front, you'll automatically become more of an attacking threat. It's not about that. It's about creating opportunities for the players who are behind you and movement. If you're playing up front on your own, it's movement. Because you've got three... I know, you've essentially got three, you've I don't got think that's three, what we're saying, though. No, think... but you've got three attacking players behind you. You, you, you're playing in a very aggressive system because you've got when you've got McGeady and Gooch and you've got someone in, in sometimes it's been Maguire in there sometimes it's Honeyman so you, you've got aggressive players you in move there. the ball quicker if you oh, gonna, if you, you you're absolutely it. right yeah. but you might have options to move the ball quicker if the movement's better because you create spaces people go into gaps then you've got pa- passes on that don't exist well it comes down to the midfielders again and, and I said he needs to find a settled <clears> team so are, are there any Max Power now you might think it's simplistic to say um, he's not been the same player since that red card and all got rescinded. But actually, if you were to put a marker in his performance levels for Sunderland, that would be the game. I, I think there's a lot in that. I think he he himself said some weeks afterwards that he's playing within himself because of the red card situation. And he is, and there's a sort of subconscious nervousness about him in, that he doesn't want to get in those positions again. And that's, and that's inhibiting him. That's holding him back. But I think it, it, it will come in time. I think, you know, you're going to get a run of games now. I mean, Richard's just gone through that list of fixtures and suddenly, I mean, that is an extraordinary well, concertinering of fixtures a, into a small space of time. When it's all you're going to eat buffet, isn't it? That, it it it's almost, almost doesn't give you yeah. a chance to start thinking about yeah. how you're playing. You've just got to get in yeah. there. And, Do I feel like the, the most difficult out of those run of fixtures is coming up Saturday? Oxford apparently are yeah. playing very, very well and they, they will be in Sunderland's faces and... It, it's going to be a very, very difficult game. But I, mean, I think the way that Sunderland set up away from home, they do seem to be able to cope with with that as long as they keep their discipline and they don't get someone sent off. I mean, going back to the weekend again, why I'd be a bit apprehensive about the, the 4-4-2. I think Dunn's distribution is shocking. I wouldn't like, do it away from I've home seen. first. I, I'm talking no, mainly I'm just talking generally. Yeah. I think like, you know, obviously we kept a clean sheet, so it's great. But I was Baldwin, I might be thinking. I'm not, I'm not writing Dunn off and having a go. Because you know we conceded a screamer like against we conceded a, scun, a screamer against Scunthorpe, which was a ridiculous hit really, um, and you know he could have had a clean sheet in that game and that you know tip been tipped over the bar, gone over the bar, um, but I think his use of the ball is quite poor. I just thought he looked nervous. I, I think he's defender. I don't think it, it, he doesn't mind sticking his head in the nose. I, know, I think his defender's all when right. He was on the ball, the ball is bad. When he was on the ball, I looked nervous, but he's, yeah. he's playing in the ground. There's 30,000 fans there. Yeah. It's a big old stadium. Now, yeah. I know, again, it comes back to the thing what we were saying before about Sinclair. Dunn is now a player to develop, so I can understand that. And Baldwin is. And we want to hope that we don't need to sell players like Baldwin if we get promoted. We want them to be able to kick on in the championship. So I, I do get that argument. But I'm prepared to give him more than one game. Oh, yeah. Before, before, one home game before I start to say he's not good. Because I think, like I say, defensively looked good. I wouldn't even say it was the his use in the ball looked bad. I thought he looked nervous and that could be the difference. But he, against Scunthorpe, he played a few stupid, like these like long balls that don't get off, you know, a foot off the floor and things like that. So, you know, it's been overly critical of a defender when they've kept a clean sheet as a collective. And people have criticised the fact we don't keep enough clean sheets, so and say you know we need to score more than once. Just remember Luke O'Neill's so, first couple. Oh, of games. I, I, well, I'm, yeah, I'm just saying I'm writing him off. I mean the improvement that O'Neill's shown since he's been regular in the team and playing in a position that is not even his position yeah. has been remarkable. 
there's a call for him to come back another side. I, 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 I mean, think there was a strong call look, for him look, to start on Saturday. Look but... at all the centre midfielders Sunderland have now on paper compared to any other team in the league. It says something for Luke or nine that now, out of all of those available, most people you speak to want him in the starting mm. eleven. And watch it. That's some also, turnaround. That I would also say it's interesting. You know, honeyman. I don't think you can um, ignore the fact that we won a game when he's come back at the side. What I would also say though is it honeyman or is it the kind of play that honeyman offers? And O nine is probably the closest, or he's pretty much identical he, in the, style of play. He is, and yeah. that's why I, th- I thought he was he was unlucky not to get the nod to start on Saturday because he's doing the same role when he comes on in that position as Honeyman. And at the moment, he's the player that's in the team and playing well. And Honeyman's been out however many weeks it is, and it's difficult because, as you say, they, they won with Honeyman in the team, so it, it's. Interesting. I mean, I Morgan, mean, Honey, Honey Morgan is now the third player in that bracket, although he was out wide. Well, he was, I thought he was very good. He he is, is that busy. I mean, it's funny. It struck me that early in the game, looking at Honeyman and Morgan, they're not unlike each other in stature, height, looks, the way they the way they run. But Morgan was happy to push forwards and take players on. And one of the one of the frustrations I think for a lot of people, and one of the criticisms recently has been when Sunderland got the ball. They've tended to go sideways or backwards with it rather than trying to push forwards with it. But Morgan was pushing forward. Every time he got the ball, Morgan, he wanted to press on down the wing. Yep. I like I liked the look of Morgan. He, he, he seemed to hug the, hug the byline, mm-hmm. hug the touchline, and he was up and down there and he was getting past players. And No coincidence that he was one well. of the key players for Jack Ross last season at St Mirren. And so why he was so desperate to get him back last season on loan from Celtic for the second half of the season and now he's got him for this second half of the season here. I think what was impressive about him is his use of both feet because yeah. I didn't notice until he started taking the corners that he was left-footed because he was on the right. I did ask him afterwards what is his favoured foot because Jack Ross has said he's two-footed but he did say yes, left is his predominant be nice foot. if somebody could take a corner. Well, gr- well, well. well. Well, yeah. well, yeah. When we discuss back to Grant Ledbetter again, he's yeah. dominating the, uh, this discussion in a way. But when we signed him, and some people were saying, "I'm not sure he's the position we need," etc. One of the positives we put on it was, well, he takes set pieces for Borough. He was their corner taker. He was their free kick taker. Yeah. Was anybody else one. amazed oh, that no. he didn't take didn't a corner? Take one. Maybe, maybe it's because the routines are already in yeah. place. Yeah, yeah, possibly down to that. I was watching him and I was thinking, is he going to, seeing the quality that was coming in, not from Morgan, because Morgan's were okay, but McGeady's certainly on the other side. I was thinking, is he just going to take the ball here or is he just going to stand back and say, let's just see him. And, I, I, and also, I, 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 enjoy would, the banter I would rather, well. would rather <laughs> McGeady wasn't on corners because I would rather somebody put a good corner in and, and he, he was hovering around the edge yeah. of the area, yeah, for the ball. I know, the corners cor- is an area that has concerned Jack Ross um, and the coaching staff. I mean, there was, I can't remember. Did the, he know the that stati- uh, Ledbetter took them for Well, I, I, I don't know about the <laughs> who's. I mean, so, the, so the interesting thing is two, two things here is A, that point about they've not had a huge amount of time together on the training pitch and they're not going to get a huge amount of time together on the training pitch after next week. So this week, I think they're in doing double sessions. I mean, it's going to be an intense week this week solely to try and drill those sort of things into them. But if Jack was making the point about corners the corner count is something ridiculous. It'll be around 200 or something now. But the, the success percentage rate for those corners is something like 5%. It can't even be 5%. 
I think we've already it, scored once. It's really, really in the low. league. It's really low, and they are they are very mindful of why it's not working and trying to find a formula to get. And, and part of that formula is the corner taking. Do you not think which is so poor? I think I was sure that corner you were talking about, Gareth. Yeah. Well, it was was it like a variant of the England love train, <laughs> but right on the edge. I've seen the corner. It's more before. like a fumble in the dark than a love yeah. train. I think the um, <laughs> grew up on the metro. <laughs> yeah. A fumble on the metro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that broke down as well. Um, but yeah, they kind of went to that front part of the penalty area, the corner, and all kind of peeled away. But the ball was kind of oh, overhit. But I don't mind. The thing is, there's, two, there's, 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 there's two aspects to it. There's trying well, something well. because it's not working. <laughs> They're trying something because it's not working. But like you say, Nick, the the issue, it's the delivery. It's shocking. So why how, many, how many of them hit the first man in the six yard? Why don't they just focus did. on sim- simplifying it and putting the percentage ball in going if we put a ball in here and just get bodies around but it that has been one of the problems because they haven't got big physical players but you've got White you've got but, Dunn but, but now you've got, you have, you've got that, but that's changed now you've got White Dunn you've got a little bit more height yeah, and physicality how is there but before you know up until you know January they hadn't and then you've got your, the Diddy men in there and it's they're not I mean the short I don't mind the short I don't mind a short corner So, but I just feel as though you know Sometimes you can overthink it. Obviously, they're trying some because it's been so... I mean, I think it is. It must be Gillingham in the league when we scored, last scored from the corner, which was the what, first, second away game of the season, mm. whatever it was. Um, so three games into the season, last time we scored from a corner. But there's another... Like the amount of corners we get because we're so dominant down the, down the wings, we should be scoring. I mean, that was an argument. And obviously, they went in and got Grigg for the large fee. But there might have been an argument to say, well, if we're going to spend that money, then maybe you inquire about someone like Kiefer Moore Barnsley, who obviously is absolute monster in the air. So, but, yeah, but then why would Barnsley sell to their nearest well, rivals? Well, Barnsley are a selling club, so if, you, if the money's right, they'd probably do it. I mean, they've sold Moncur to uh, to Luton, haven't they? And they've sold, obviously, not in the whole league, but they've sold um, Potts to... Shall we to, finish um, on our, our transfer business? We'll have a break now and then we'll come back and talk about... Yeah. Yeah, we'll do that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, this is Darren Williams, and you're listening to the Wise Men Say podcast. Right, so no preview game this week. 
no preview. No game. preview game. Preview. No preview we podcast. Play, that's this why they're so tired because they're playing like they've played. <laughs> no what, preview podcast. Fifty-two this games this season. Um, so maybe we'll do a mix of looking forward to the Oxford game and also just reflecting on Sunderland's January transfer business. Why is there no Why is there no podcast on Thursday? There isn't a podcast on Thursday. Well, no, there is. But why show. is it not a preview show? Sorry, what? Are you not talking to Will Grigg on Thursday? Am I going to oh, do a job right, for okay. you here? Yeah. There is a preview. Well, there is a preview show. Are we Thursday. doing both? Are we? Yeah. Are we? Got to give the give. Can't just just can't just change your routine because because we've got. I'm not sure you can do too the, much sometimes. But anyway, we're speaking of Will Grigg on Thursday. So listen to that. Good, Thanks for people who come along to the peak. That was good. Right? Yeah, on Saturday, Scotty, Martin yeah, and Scott yeah. was there and very popular. Good turnout and. Speaks very well, doesn't he? Some good stories. Indeed. Thanks for that. And make sure you come along to the next one. Don't know who we'll play or who we'll be yet or anything like that. Right. January transfer window. Um, Is it the case, have you ever known where one player has been so significant, Nick, in that if Will Grigg didn't get done, everybody would have said, that's a disaster. It did get done and everybody's saying, what a great transfer window. Uh, it, it, It was a sliding doors moment on... Thursday night. I mean, the story will come out on how it all happened, on which, which on Netflix, yeah. <laughs> um, and and it will be the viewing of that Thursday night it will be priceless. Um, but that window, it, 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 you're absolutely right, Stephen. It's veered from it would have either been a total and utter disaster of a month or an absolute triumph. And five players in, Will Grigg, one of them. It's looking like on paper. A triumph, but I said before, someone will be judged at the end of the season and whether Grigg worked or whether the transfer window worked. But ostensibly, looking at it, I just said even before the two strikers came in, the three that came in, Jimmy Dunn, Lewis Morgan, Grant Ledbetter, that would have been a good January by, by, by Sunderland's normal standards. I mean, th- these are players who are going straight into the first team from a team that was already performing well. So that's normally what... Well, four out of the five have already, and the only reason that Grigg didn't go in yeah, was because he was exactly. injured at the weekend. Yeah. So, yes, it was a good window, and, and now the, the issue will become... The issue for Jack Ross is the manner in which the business in January was done in terms of how public it was um, right from the start, in, and the whole Will Grigg... Um, but it wasn't a debacle in the end because they signed him, but probably paid over the odds. But and and again, that won't ma- that won't matter if they get promoted. But I think the issue was that it was announced really early on who the targets were, who they were looking for. So that when it came down to the the nub of things on the Thursday, they were being linked with every club, every front man going <laughs> in every league in every division. Around the world, just moved the top, just down and, the top scorers and that, list, didn't and that because those names were being leaked everywhere inevitably, um, and club and Sunderland was starting to look a little bit embarrassing as a club. Uh, the, the 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 Stuart Donald tweet, "I will sign two strikers," wasn't helpful. Not great. Not a great move. The Josh Madger deadline was not a great move. So there were lots of little things that conspired, or were conspiring in lots of ways against it being a good window. Yeah, I mean, if one of those things, if those things work, then people go, "Oh, genius!" But they didn't, and then you know, the, I know there's been talk this week. I know you went on the the Rotor Report podcast and talked about how people abusing him on Twitter and all this. I'm not, I'm not excusing it, 
but it did leave the door it's open. Ha- it's ha- that's what happens. Like it's so, like that's the, incredibly think... naive. You think you can go on social media, and, and, and a, a lot of the people, a lot of the people, a lot of the people who will do, be going, "Oh, it's a disgrace! How dead! I'm absolutely devastated to see that Stuart Donald had abuse." How many of them have probably? Anonymously had a pop at somebody else and called them this, that, and the other, yeah. and worse names. And sometimes t- Twitter is an absolute cesspit. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not. Is. It's, and it's, it's not a Sunderland fan problem. It's a societal yeah. problem. Yeah. It's a society thing. But the, the the issues there are that basically at the start of the window, Stuart Donald and Charlie Methon should have gone into lockdown when it came to yeah. doing anything to do with transfers. Um, it would have kept. Well, it became it became a distraction. Jack Ross in the end the Josh Madger thing it became a distraction because all everyone was talking about was Will Grigg Uh, and you know these things are domino effect whether in the end it had any effect in terms of team probably not because you know they had the 10 day break which was actually in many ways a godsend I think they could just sort of Jack Ross could take the players away and it still took them to till the last hour to turn it into a and it became a a unilateral decision by the owner to do it again you know where does that leave the relationship between the manager and the owner etc etc but as I say I think only time will tell all this will, the, the, you know the judgement day will be when they've played the last game of the season and what position they finish in the table I think the whole window hinged on replacing Madger it all hinged on the Madger situation whether we're going to lose him whether we're going to replace him had we not replaced him with anybody and we just got Ledbitter and Morgan Dunn and 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 whoever else came Sterling in. Sterling yeah well Sterling was a that was a that all seemed to be last mm. minute didn't it well I wouldn't I mean if if that had not happened if we'd not replaced Madger at all it would have been a complete disaster for for any any promotion hopes oh. that were had Sterling oh, no one's in, Sterling one's interesting isn't it I mean again, I thought he actually did like I didn't think he did. Brilliantly when he came on, but, but he made them. But, he made them think. He made. He, he did. He, he was he moving did, him behind. He did, and it's only one game again, so we're not gonna and go and conclude on somebody after yeah. one game. But if you're Benji Kimby Orker sitting watching that, are you thinking it's no different well, from what I, I, no different from what I would have done? And but he, I think if we're talking ben, about developing ben, other people's players. I think again? Benji, look, his age for for one thing. I mean, Sterling is a twenty-year-old who's playing at Tottenham and has quite a lot of experience in the under twenty-threes and. Benji, if you if you talk to the coaches, uh, um, incredible talent, but he is like a little hand grenade out there. They don't, they just don't know what they're going to get. That's good sometimes, you know. Which, which is, and when you've seen him come on, and because players don't know, opposition don't know what they're going to do. But then, nor does Sunderland know what he's going to do. It's a sort of, you know, I mean, Jack will tell the story about his first time he went on, and John Potter was basically just going bananas on the touchline, trying to get instructions to Ben Benji Kimbioka to do things because he was just in a world of his own and at times literally in a world of his own because he'd stand there looking like he was on another planet and they're trying to shout at him move move there was a moment in the uh, the Man City game in the checker trade where he cut inside and I thought he's in a brilliant position here and I didn't know whether he was left footed or right footed I was like did he mean to do that and then he cut back onto his left and then back onto his right and then he'd gone it's like so it's a different it's it's the care issue isn't it it's like Barley Mumba they owe a duty of care to a player of that age, of course, to to nurture them properly. And you've got to get the balance. I know there's a lot of this discussion about developing other people's players with loans. You know, loans always say loans are a mutually beneficial arrangement. So you know, the, there yeah, are more than I would be. have hoped if we're being honest. Sorry? I think if we at the start of the season when we were talking about a new Sunderland, a new transfer strategy going forward, and you said. 
by February, you'll have four players on loan in your starting eleven. I think we would have. We wouldn't so, have been, we would have been that. I happy think. With I that. think. Yeah. I think it's also this January. It's a reflection of the panic that set in because Jack Ross said right at the start he's not a fan of loans. Mm. If he can keep the numbers down, he will because he don't. It doesn't engender a, 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 um, a, a, a sort of a bond to the club. It doesn't engender a longevity because the player feels they're only here to do a job as a footballer, not as a Sunderland player, if you see what I mean. But, but Josh needs Madge's must gonna, here. But John, Josh Madge has gone after six months of a first-team football, essentially. But then that's, you know, but then, dis- that's an historical thing because Sunderland got dis- caught in the headlights a year ago. Players disappear within 18 months all the time. So a year alone... On paper, it's a loan, but at the same time, you know, players stick around for what two, two and a half years, oftentimes at clubs max. So, yeah, I think it. But if Sterling is as good as people say he is, and I've spoken to a lot of people, I'm sure you have at the weekend about Sterling, and they all had nothing but praise for him. If Sterling is as good as that, he's going to be a Danny Rose. Mm. When Danny was here, he made it quite clear he was not going to stay at Sunderland. At the end of his loan, he was going to go back to Tottenham. He was adamant. And also you got the but, you, you got the opportunity, the division we're in, and you talk about natural progression of players. If the players who sign on loan do really well, you know, the light, the, there's an option to either go back. Sterling's going to go back and get in the Tottenham team, right? Is Jimmy Dunn going to go back and get in uh, uh, Burnley's team at this stage? Really <laughs> is, um, is Lewis Morgan, the amount of wide players that Celtic have got, um, you know, they've got so many wide players is he going to go back and get into their team? There's an argument to say, well, he's been here for six months, he's done well. If we get promoted, continues progression at this club and then they, they might keep them and they keep that unit together and then they've been here for 18 months. I mean, you look at loans in the past that have been successful. I mean, Johnny Evans is probably the the best, you could argue, the best loan we've ever, Danny we've ever had. Danny success as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he had, the, Rose, he had an injury. Uh, Danny Rose. Rose. But I would say, I would say, Evans, I would say Evans was the most progressive because we signed him, didn't know who it was, was excellent. Um, and then got promoted and then he came back when we were in the Premier League even though we didn't sign him in the summer I know we tried to spend a lot of money on him um, but you know the, the progression was there I think there's a, 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 the other thing to remember which actually has been talked about a fair bit actually over the last few weeks is the realisation and that you, you have to accept that this is a League One team League One squad with League One sort of parameters I think there's still a little bit of a a bounce from people thinking that Sunderland are bigger than League One and should be doing better in League One than they are. I think where they are, as Gareth said right at the start, what Sunderland have achieved this season already has got to be applauded because they are still in a very strong position to to go up automatically. And they've brought, on the face of it, five decent players. And in January, I mean, you know, those we talked about done before, but... he said, Stephen, he's only played two games, only one at the Stadium of Light. Morgan impressed. We've got to see Grigg yet. Um, Sterling did all right when he came <clears> on. You've got to think that all those players that have come in have strengthened the squad and not weakened it. Got some questions from Twitter. Hurry up then, because we're 
I know I ask, but the thing is, we ask and then we don't ask any of them. So it depends how the questions Nick, Nick, so Nick's a good Twitter, talker. Yeah, Sometimes, if you get a guest yeah. on and you're struggling, you really need those no, Twitter questions. But it looks a little bit when we are, <laughs> but we are struggling. We can't expect them to come up with the goods if you know if we haven't acknowledged them on a weekly basis. Macamino um, at Glen Sask One says, "Ask Barnsley, who does he think will finish in the automatic promotion places?" Well, at the start of the season, just remember you'll get abused if you don't say Sunderland. Well, first at the of start of the season, I thought it'd be Sunderland and Portsmouth. I'm actually now thinking it'd be Luton and Sunderland. Yeah. Okay. Um, I still think Barnsley and Sunderland, like I said at the start. Why do our fans have... Luke Headley asks, why do our fans have no middle ground? Take Max Powell, for example. He's Mm. gone from being amazing Mm -hmm. by our fans to being absolutely poo. Is that an open question? It was why do our... You're the guest, Nick. We haven't got time to discuss and debate all these questions. Richard got it. That's football. That's what fans yeah. do and they'll love him again he'll, he'll score a blind or an Oxford win the game and he'll yeah. be cheese bees knees again the most questions well, it, <laughs> I'll give you this one first Joanne Youngson asks how much <laughs> roughly has he spent for Valentine's Day <laughs> I'm keeping my powder dry on that keeping one powder dry um, <laughs> the, 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 we've had the most questions are where do you get that tablecloth because I posted a picture of the, the set lovely. up. It feels um, so we're talking about replacing it, actually, aren't it's we? It's not a tablecloth. We should do a touch it's pod. A, it's, a pure, it's a pure practical addition um, because... Don't give secrets a, away. It's a fleece. Well, if, you know, if, you tr- if you're in a hard room, which hasn't got a carpet, I mean, this has got low ceilings, fortunately, but you need to try and absorb sound where you can. And... The fleece on the table. Well, well, it's not our secret. It's not a secret. Grab the microphone so firmly, I'm not allowed to touch it. It's not a secret. It's, it's just normal, you know, recording etiquette. You try and it's a secret amateurs, it. Gareth. There's a lot more tweed in the room tonight, so, so we're getting a lot of more uh, better sound quality. With and that, so Gareth and Richard are wearing the same jumper. We are, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 the cable, the cable knit twins. Mine's from Prime. Mine's um, yeah, so the, it's not a tablecloth; it's a it's a sound device, so the sound doesn't bounce into the table. And we're thinking about replacing that. We are talking about replacing mm. it. You know, the the windows closed, but more on this one. We get free it. Ta- we're going to get free ta- <laughs> tablecloths available on the free transfer market. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be raking around bins. We're going to have a look. Should be good. Any um, I don't think there is any more really. Um, Thanks for all your questions. Or we, we, We've kind we of covered. We've kind of covered most of them off, to be fair. So, um, but yeah, that will probably be that. Unless remember Thursday, Will Grigg. That'll be quite. We'll, we'll definitely get you. We're questions. not just going to ask. We're not just going to ask like about his son and well, you know, obviously, you know the way we do things, and you know, we've yeah, done the minor stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> it's not just going to be like. Oh well, how did the how did the move fans, how did the move go? All that training kind of ground, thing. yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. how many are you looking forward to? You know, how playing for the next amount of fans. Um, yeah, so obviously we'll be talking about try and talk about. You yeah, know, we'll get your questions as well, like though. No. And we'll probably do a bit yeah. first, and then we'll get some of your feedback. Um, and the organ to sing the song are you as well. We might do a little intro or something. We should do some some sort of banter, shouldn't we? We'll, we'll have a discussion about it. Thanks for listening, though, as always.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.